The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Nothing lasts forever. Even the longest, the most glittering rain must come to an end someday. Uh, completely random. You may be thinking, why on earth am I quoting the, uh, the, the, the opening moments of House of Cards? It's because this podcast has been recorded on Wednesday the 6th of July, where British politics is just kicking off in massive style with just resignation after resignation of um, one of our most unpopular prime ministers clinging on to power. Uh, awful person. I'd be just very happy to see him go, but, uh, you know, just an absolute liar. But he has said he will not resign. And you know what? I actually believe him. Um, so, you know, it's uh, I couldn't help but just getting some some topical stuff in at the top yeah just, just that's that's that, quite a, yeah it mirrors it mirrors us as well because we're clinging in there we, <laughs> we just won't give up no um no one likes us <laughs> no they don't but uh in today's podcast we're, we're going to be uh, reviewing two big finish audio adventures uh but plenty of time uh, to, to start with that um i'm liam and the the wonderful dulcet tones that you heard uh, you heard just a few moments ago was my co-host Rob. Hi, Rob. Hello, I'm Rob. And how are you? I'm not bad. It's very windy today. If I scream and I need to go and close the door, is that okay? If we we'll leave that in, it just adds <laughs> to the atmosphere. It does. Yes, yes, it yeah. does. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I'm. I'm. <clears throat> I may sound a little bit croaky, a little bit off. It's just because uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for me just busy with stuff and sort of caught caught up with me a bit so i feel like i just need i need to turn into rip van winkle and probably sleep for 100 years just to get my energy levels back up um so if i sound a bit off partying hard yeah uh (laughs) no sadly so um one of the things was uh, i had a job interview uh which needed a lot of prep um so that's the reason that's one of the reasons why there's been a bit of a delay from our last from our previous podcast to this one. So that needed a lot of prep. And I completely balled the interview up. After, oh, no. After all that. It was just, oh, for God's sake. Um, it couldn't be helped. Uh, as soon, it was one of those things where as soon as I left, I knew it's like, oh, I've completely cocked that, cocked that up. Um, uh, and that and yeah, wasn't the plan. No, that, that wasn't. wasn't like no, that, that's that's not what I planned Where for. he goes, he needs to fail the interview. So he goes off his face on coke. <laughs> Because he needs the door money, and he, he completely balls it, balls it, balls it up. Uh, no, no, that wasn't that wasn't the plan. Um, so when I got the phone call telling me it didn't that I didn't get the job, it didn't come as a surprise. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bit disappointing. Um, although some of the some of the feedback I recognised, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Some of it, I was, I just thought, no, I'm sorry. I, th- I think some of that that just crap. Um, one of the things which kind of raised an eyebrow was the fact that um, I really wasn't put onto the shortlist because um, I didn't query anything to do with the job prior to the interview. And I've never, ever heard that before. I mean, obviously, they 
I've had it where it's like, if you have any questions prior to the interview, feel free to contact us. But I didn't. But the fact that well, I... So you didn't reach out to them? Or was this in a face-to-face pre-interview thing? Oh, no, uh, this is because I didn't reach out to them. Right. Uh, so because of that, it, uh, it, it showed that I wasn't really that serious about it. Even though, one, I applied for the job. Two, I got to the interview stage. And part of the feedback that I was given was that I clearly did my research and knew what the job role was and was clearly mm. interested in it. It's it just that feedback I just found quite baffling. So oh. some of the feedback, but some of the, that wasn't all it was. Some of the feedback, you know, you know, was actually constructive. I did do a bit better than I thought I did, but in some of it was just, you know, these are the things that maybe you could have done a bit better. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. But so anyway, that, that, uh, I just you thought know what? Screw peculiar. them. They don't even deserve you. <laughs> no, they don't. It's their loss more than mine. Exactly. Uh, no, it's not. It was a damn good job, actually. But never mind. These things happen. <laughs> um, and then um, I was down in Leicester for a, a workshop um, for a couple of days last week. Uh, ah. Which wasn't too bad, but it was uh, it, it was quite heavy going, especially the, the end. There was a lot to take in. Um, but, you know, well, <laughs> it was a nice change of pace out the office. Traveling down to Leicester. I'd never been to Leicester before. Um, I don't know if I have. Mm. I might have drove through. Or what are you... Being through on a train. What would be the... Um, what would you say if you haven't drove through but you've been on a train? Sped through? Chugged yeah. through? <laughs> Chugged through? Yeah. Yeah. So you've chugged through Leicester? Yeah. It's a um, it's an oddly designed sort of town. It well, not a town, a city. It, it's because um, it doesn't seem to have any discerning like where's the center. It's very easy to get round. It's very mm. easy to work out where you need to go, but it's sort of like is the is the city center the prison? Um, and the, the prison is weird. It looks like a castle. And it's sort of is like, this like a prison that's in use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still you. It's still in use. Uh, it looks like a castle, and so you're walking past and going, "Ooh, I wouldn't mind staying in there. That looks better than my hotel." <laughs> and I read up. I read up on the history of it a little bit because they had some signage. And when it was originally built in the early 19th century, um, I f- I've forgotten the the guy's job title. He was. He wasn't Home Secretary, but he was he was a government minister who looked at that side of stuff. Um, he visited the prison and he complained about the design because he, he basically said that um, it's too nicely designed. It it should be it should it should make the people inside it ashamed of what they've done. It's too nice. And it, it does look too nice. It looks like a bloody castle. It's the oddest prison I've ever seen. Um, so they've got that. I would have liked to have visited uh, Leicester Cathedral if uh, simply because it, well, one for the architecture, but also because that's where uh, Richard III's buried. But that's closed yeah. until next year, I think. So I, I could... Is that the car park? No, no. <laughs> that's where he was found. Richard right, III was yeah. found in a car park. Um but they he, they actually gave him a, a proper burial, and he's now he's now uh, buried in Leicester Cathedral. Ah. 
Um, that's good. So that's been sort of the, the main things, as well as you know, just the the normal stuff that you do, work, mm. boring stuff around the house, yeah. you know. But you know, still going to the cinema to see the Bond movies, of course, which is still good. Yeah, how are they going? Great. Um, so the one that uh, at the time of recording, the most recent one that I saw was uh, For Your Eyes Only, which is my favorite Roger Moore Bond. Right. Uh, and do you think you've seen any of them in a new light? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunderball in particular, because I've always found that a really boring film, and uh, you know, with a massive pacing issue, especially with all, all the underwater sequences. They look fantastic, but they really drag the pace of the film down. And I remember just thinking, why am I going to the cinema to see this? It's boring. Um, I still think it has those pacing issues, but for some reason, seeing it at the cinema was just a completely different experience. I was much more engrossed with it. Um, and I came out going, Thunderball's really good. So my appreciation of that film has completely shot up. Um, so there's that. Or there's something like On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I've always loved. But seeing that on the big screen just... I can't, I loved it even more if simply because of the direction the use of shots and the, the cinematography and everything it just uh, which I've always appreciated but seeing it on the big screen um, just even more bowled over by it so that that was really good um, but I was cool so you know seeing Bond films which I already liked but like loving them even more but yeah I would, Thunderball was a, was a massive surprise of, of how much I just enjoyed enjoy that at the cinema nice mm. I haven't been to the cinema lately but I'm going tomorrow um, the new Thor's out Thor 4 we've booked oh is that uh, Love and Thunder yeah mm-hmm. booked to my max seat at the Silver Link alright oh, good good yeah looking forward to it um, I haven't put that much thought, thought into it mm. Thor yeah Thor <laughs> Yeah, it's out. I thought it was out on Wednesday, but luckily I was off on the Thursday as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is Thursday? <laughs> it's all planned. Yeah, uh, but no, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> not in the sense that I put any thought into it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've been watching a few other things. You know what? I've probably made a little list because it's been a few weeks since we spoke last. Mm-hmm. When we when we last spoke, I think I'd watched the first half of Stranger Things season four, which had been on. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, the final part of the season was on, uh, which was the final two episodes. The first was an hour and a half, and the second was two and a half hours. Uh, but you know I had to watch them all in one night because if I hadn't watched them I would have been working other nights so and hitting spoilers so my daughter stayed up as well to watch them with me so it was good and my wife mm-hmm. but god that last yeah it was a bit it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster. yeah <laughs> um, where are you at with Stranger Things have you seen the first couple of seasons or none no no I, I watched the first season uh, which I did enjoy, and then I started watching the second, and as you said, uh, I, I just it seemed all right, but I just couldn't get back into it again. So mm. uh, um, I loved the first series. Um, I, I did, I did enjoy that an awful lot. Um, 
But yeah, with the second series, series, there were things in there which I was sort of intrigued by, um, but it, I just couldn't get into it in the same way. Um, right. But I, I have heard that you know people are still enjoying the show. It's still very good. A lot of, from what I can gather, Rob, people are saying that the fourth series is very good. And I mean, I don't know what's been going on, and obviously we want to avoid spoilers for the listeners who may not have caught up yet. Um, but I understand that the the season ended up on quite a surprise where even you know um so people are quite unsure how series five is going to start off yeah a lot of theories and ideas mm-hmm. um i feel like the way the series went <clears throat> it was very predictable oh, okay. to me at least right the, okay. a, a few of the things so i think there's not much mystery anymore see so you, you know, you've got shows that just don't provide many answers um this is a show that does provide the answers about what's going on mm-hmm. and I'm left thinking well what's left and it makes mostly going to I guess it's going to be um, about the character drama itself you know where these characters go and rather than the mystery of what's going on um, but I'm looking forward to it one final season yeah then I'll have to find a new show to watch <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did finish Sex in the City because uh, I was working my way through the first six seasons, mm-hmm. um, and then I watched the the movies which came after those. Uh, I ha- had fond memories of the first one because I was quite hyped for that. I think that came out two thousand six or seven, maybe two thousand seven. Uh, first one's good. The second one I remember not quite enjoying it as much at the time, because um, the first film was. Like a good end into the series, and the second film was just dragging it on a bit, and taking a few missteps, like Carrie's happy marriage to Big, and um, then she kisses an old boyfriend. And I'm like, well, they've already had the happy end, and do we need to do this? Um, and then there was the whole thing that they went to um, Dubai, and the whole thing about egg. Uh, female independence and the whole theme of sex was put there and it's like the there were it was in like the UAE mm. Islamic Islamic culture and um and I was at the time I was thinking is this kind of mocking um the culture a bit but I don't know maybe I didn't it wasn't as distasteful this time round but uh, it was all right Anyway, that's all over with. <laughs> right, okay. I was just thinking, you know, thematically, that could have been quite interesting. Yeah. You know, to, you know the the clash of cultures and the, the different approaches and everything. You know, you could have, yeah. could have done something. Well, they, they go to um, Dubai quite naive about the culture. Right. Um, and I think, is, um, is the UAE, like meant to be quite liberal in their ways and and quite well uh, on the surface at least like well sort of i mean uh, if you want to go to a middle eastern country and have the opportunity to party um yeah that's the place to go i would say um Mm -hmm. because but if you if you think that you can basically sort of party anywhere that you can then then no it there's from what i can because i've never visited but from what i can gather um there are you know if if you want to drink and party, there are clearly designated places in order to do that. But you yeah. you keep it there. Mm. 
and I guess there's a whole thing about um, the way to dress, which I guess tourists aren't kind of clued up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, in the Sex and the City film, the, um, especially Samantha Jones's character, um, she's like wanting to dress less. <laughs> and um, a friend are like pointing out that you can't do that. But then it gets to the point where she ends up having sex on a beach <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> And then they're out in a um, an old market, and then like some uh, uh, like loads of condoms fall out a bag, and then everyone's having a go there, and then she's like, she's like, yes, I have sex, and she's like humping the air, and then turns into a bit of a mob chasing them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, it sounds a bit ridiculous now. <laughs> yeah, sounds fun though. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've missed out by not watching it. Yeah. And I've also been watching Ms. Marvel. Um, and she is Marvel superhero. She is a Pakistani Muslim teen. Um, which I was going to say, she's, she's not the... I guess we've just had Moon Knight. And I think he was also a Muslim superhero. But that is not explored. Because it's Moon Knight more explored... Um, the kind of Egyptian gods that he kind of embraces. Okay. Um, but Ms. Marvel, it's more like character-driven, dealing with our family and and our and our whole family history, going back to the partition. Um, mm. And it, it it does doesn't seem as connected to the um, the whole Marvel universe just yet. Um, but there was one little blink in the blink in the miss a bit that kind of makes us think, well, this is going to be quite important. Uh, and her character is going to be one of the main characters in Captain Marvel too, as well. Well, because I'm not massively into the MCU, as most people will will know. It, uh, you know, I have seen some of the movies and some I've enjoyed them. Some, some I it was just a no. Uh, that was a complete waste of my time. Uh, just, just a matter of taste. That actually does sound interesting, though. I one, because I think it sounds a bit more character-driven, uh, which mm-hmm. appeals, and maybe a bit more grounded. But just the the cultural and character element of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I am intrigued from, from how you've described it. Yeah. I mean, a few people that have watched it kind of switched off after the first one or two episodes because they thought, oh, it's a bit of a high school thing and didn't have the right vibes. But I guess just give it time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, she's quite a young character. Like mid teens. Um, what else have I been watching? Just check my little list that I had for you. Um, oh, me and my wife recently watched the new Obi Wan Kenobi series. Um, so she was quite keen to watch um, some more Star Wars, so we watched them all in order. <laughs> oh yes, I remember you saying yeah. yeah, yeah. So watch the prequels. Mm-hmm. Watch the original trilogy. Watch the sequel trilogy, um, watch the the two spin-offs in between, so Rogue One and this Han Solo film. Um, she hasn't quite wanted to start the Mandalorian in Boba Fett yet. Um which I would recommend to anyone. It's it's quite good. But she's uh, a bit skeptical. <laughs> Not sure about starting a new series. I think that's about it. Uh, <clears throat> well, 
Um, so two Doctor Who box sets uh, have recently came out, and um, I've got both of those. So one of them is um, the Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, film starring Peter Cushing. That's been remastered and re-released on 4K Blu-ray, and I got the box set for that. Um, I haven't watched the, the the whole film. I've been watching some of the the special features, uh, the documentaries on there, which are the really, new stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're really rather good. Although I have, I, I did dip in a little bit uh, to the film, uh, and it, it does look good, uh, just in terms of what they've done to spruce up the image mm. and everything like that. It yeah, it just it just looks wonderful, and I'm looking forward. They did well for the Blu-rays. I think I remember going through it frame by frame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it it's one of those things where uh, you feel really fortunate with with something like that because yes, Doctor Who is ma- you know is still massively popular, but when it comes to those two movies, I don't think that there's, there's there's clearly a market for it. But I feel like the amount of effort that's gone into what they've done mm-hmm. uh, exceeds mm-hmm. maybe the the interest that is there. If that makes sense, yeah. So I feel yeah. I feel very lucky that um, because I, I do think I do love those movies and I think they are immensely enjoyable. So good they are, um, and just the, they don't get spoken about very much. No, no, they don't, and it feels like because um, I think there are people who are genuine Doctor Who fans, if I can put it like that. You know, who who love the show and know you know are very knowledgeable about it, and even they maybe not be aware that actually in the sixties there were these two movies. Because um, I have come across, um, you know, um, like a, a few things on the internet and hearing people, and when they find out, they're, they're genuinely surprised. Well, oh, well, how come I never heard about this? Um, but anyway, a lot of love and attention and care has gone into to remastering it, and um, so that's Doctor Who and the Daleks. Doctor Who, um, uh, the second movie, <clears throat> Daleks Invasion of Earth, twenty one fifty AD, I think, is due to come out next month. Ah, oh, right, okay. And I've already pre-ordered I was wondering why you said you didn't have it. Yeah, yeah, it's not out yet. <laughs> Otherwise, I would. Um, the the other box set, finally, uh, because there was a massive gap from when it was announced to actually being released, finally, uh, Colin Baker's first season, mm. uh, season 22, is on has come out on their box set as well, the, the yeah. Blu-ray. Uh, and I've watched uh, Attack of the Cybermen, which is the first story. Uh, and Vengeance on Varos, uh, which is a second, and I love that. And I've watched some of these special features. In fact, it was the it was the interviews that I went straight to. So I watched the interview because there's three, uh, one with Michael Grade, uh, which was quite interesting. There's one with Colin Baker, uh, which was uh, really interesting, and uh, third one is with Nicola Bryant. Learned a lot with that one. Uh, I was quite surprised with that. Um, you learn a lot about her relationship with John Nathan Turner all honest he doesn't necessarily come out of the the story particularly well I was like right uh, I was like, but that was interesting and there's a part of it where um because Nicola Bryant uh born in England but playing an American companion and uh the, there's a bit in the, she didn't re- she didn't reveal that to them initially I never knew that oh. um and she, so she's talking about that, and uh, and then she was saying that uh, not everyone knew, knew, and she'd been working with Colin Baker for a year until she decided to finally tell him. And I'm watching this and just going, oh, clearly this is exaggerated and a load of not load of nonsense. No, it's uh, they go into the full detail of that. It's bonkers. It's, yeah, because she was cast on the basis that she was she American. Was American. Yeah. 
uh, which I didn't I didn't know. Um, the story is a lot more bonkers than perhaps you know the, the fact that you know she had to pretend that she was American for <laughs> even by the time she left. Uh, there were people on the show who didn't actually know that uh, she wasn't American. They go, in, they, they talk about that story and they go into it. And it's it's truly bonkers. Um, and also, you know the um, that uh, fix with the Santarans short story mm. that they did. Did they deal with that in some way? Um, well, they talk about it. They, they, uh, I know it's not included. I'm guessing because it got removed from the DVD range after a while. No, no, they have included it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, they have. They have. Uh, well, um, a couple of things. But what they've done is they've edited it. So one of the thi- one of the special features on it is they've released the Colin Baker years, which um, hasn't been available since it was re- released in, on VHS during the early nineties. And I had that, um, and they actually had a clip. They actually showed clips of it on the VHS, which included Jimmy Savile. So I was watching the Colin Baker years and. They do include clips of Fix One of the Santorans, but obviously it's they've changed the clip so they don't include that they don't include Jimmy Savile. No. Um I understand that the full thing is available, but they again they've edited it out and apparently they've they've altered the ending a little bit, but I haven't got around to watching that yet. Okay. Um But one of the things I've always been confused by was the fact that Nicola Bryant wasn't in it. Um she didn't appear in it and they got uh, Janet Fielding to play Tegan. Um, they actually explain the reasons why that was the case. Nick, it was a decision that John Nathan Turner did in order to teach Nicola Bryant a lesson. Uh, and you go, oh, okay. So th- that was th- that was fascinating. There was a lot that you just the absolute bonkers situation. Um, was this because of the accent thing? Of the what? No, no. What happened was um, when they were preparing to make Time Lash. Uh, John Nathan Turner was preparing for a pantomime and he wanted uh, it was sort of it it was a proper I think it was Cinderella it was a proper pantomime but with but with a Doctor Who theme in the sense that you know they they had Colin Baker in it playing buttons Um, I think Mary Tam uh, was cast in it or something like that Uh, and Nicola Bryant was asked and what this meant was in order for them to rehearse for the pantomime, they had to be taken out of the rehearsals for Doctor Who. Uh, Nicola Bryant um, basically refused, saying, well, no, I don't want to do the pantomime because this will actually affect our work on Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, John Nathan Turner didn't like that. Uh, He made it perfectly clear that um, she had to do it, so she was basically forced to be in the pantomime. Uh, But in order to teach her a lesson of basically... Um, do as I say and don't ever question me again when it came to the fix with the Santarans uh, he didn't cast her in it Hence, in the... retrospect he's done her a favour uh, yeah probably but at the time <laughs> just got oh okay bit of an arse um, so uh, there's a lot lots of stuff that you learn from that um, but the whole thing about how she had to pretend that she was American and uh, at the sort of at the suggestion of her agent and the whole thing of Going well, I've got to tell them at some point. Uh, just what a nightmare! Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. a crazy this, story. This one guy um, I used to know. I think he called me John. I didn't correct him. 
Right. And for a couple of years, I was just John. Right, okay. So when did you find out you were Rob? Well, eventually, it just kind of didn't interact with him after a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, this is this is just going to spiral off. Mm. What if I become famous? I'm going to have to change my name to John. It's just too embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, so true story. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's where I am with uh, sort of like my watching. Nice. Um. So yeah. Um. Well, that's good. Oh, um, coming up later today on the show, mm. we're going to settle that age-old debate about which is better, orange chocolate or mint chocolate. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Before we do that, should we should we uh, do our first story, and then we can might might as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, what we're doing, listeners, is we're reviewing two uh, big Finnish audio adventures. Uh, the first one is the Silent Scream, and the second one is Death Rass. And what it is is that um, uh, I, I really wanted to, and we are we're going to be reviewing season eighteen, which was Tom Baker's last uh, season as Doctor Who. Um, but. Uh, I noticed that Big Finish did a, have done a reasonable number of stories uh, set during that period. And I thought, well, actually, what I'll do is, is, as well as reviewing the televised season 18 stories, we'll also review the Big Finish audios. Uh, this is the first time that we've been listening to them, but uh, prior to it, I was looking at the plot synopsis and everything and have thought I'd try and establish some sort of continuity bit of a bonkers thing to do but actually so far it's worked out um the continuity does marry up so we've reviewed the beast of kravenos and the eternal battle that's the first two big finish um and yep, today two cracking stories uh what was that sorry two cracking stories well one of them was and the other one we weren't too keen on but anyway um and uh, today is <laughs> going to be the silent scream and death Rass. and actually so far i've got the order of them right because they're clearly set before the Leisure Hive. Um, so anyway, on with uh, the first one, which is the Silent Scream. So the plot synopsis uh, from the Big Finish website. On the set of a busy Hollywood movie in the late 1920s, a damsel is in distress. As cameras roll, she opens her mouth to scream and nothing comes out. Nothing at all. It's happened again. The Doctor Romana and K-9 have arrived in a terrified tinsel town. A new film is being made and several stars of the silent screen are viewing it as a potential comeback. But it may prove a poisoned chalice. Actors are vanishing and strange creatures stalk the streets. Something evil is lurking behind the scenery. Can the Doctor stop it when he doesn't have a voice? It's time for his close-up. The cast and crew, uh, Tom Baker plays the Doctor, Lala Ward plays Romana, John Leeson plays K-9, John Banks plays the cab driver and the director, Andrew Bernard plays Lulu Hammerstein, Alec Newman plays Dr. Julius, Pamela Salem plays Loretta Waldorf, and Jane Slavin plays Nellie. The story was directed by Nicholas Briggs, it was written by James Goss, and was produced by David Richardson. Um, Now, I've been really looking forward to... uh, reviewing this story well listening to it first of course simply because it's written by james goss and he's yeah produced a... i think that shines through in some of the dialogue yes yeah so i take it you know you're familiar with him yes from um from other big films we, we've done a james goss before um one of the mcgans from the the legacy of time yes yes we have yeah maybe maybe some others yeah, yeah, well... But we, we, we've also done Scratchman, 
which was co-written with uh, Tom Baker. Yes, I forgot that was hit. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh God, that feels like that was ages ago. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot. That was a tedious one to, to edit. It was so long. Yeah, it was so long. <laughs> a five-hour review of Scratchman. Yeah. Um, I think there's a reason we... we. I think we announced the new Cloisterbar Book Club the New Year's Day before last. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a reason why we didn't off. pick that one up. It's in, it's on the, it's in the pipeline. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, he's produced a great deal of stuff, including Doctor Who-related content. Uh, he produced Scream of the Shalker. He's also done a whole load of DVD extras, but he's also written books, and as we've said, he's also uh, done uh, audio, including Real Time, uh, and also Sharda, Starring uh, the Paul, uh, Paul McGann audio version of that, as well as the ones that um, Rob's mentioned. He's also done some Blake 7 uh, Liberator Chronicles. He did three. Uh, that's the title of it. Um, and that's a really good Only story. Three. That's where a journalist interviews Servalan. And Mike, it's a great story. And Servalan is evil in that. It, it, fantastic. And he, it, it's kind of stomach churning what she does to that poor, poor journalist. It, it, that's oh. a brilliant story. He also did Spoils, uh, which is a sort of what-if story, looking at if Blake actually won and totally defeated the Federation. So that's quite interesting. So anyway, are these the Liberator Chronicles, are these like some of the side stories. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. So you've got the the main ones where the um, the the main series where they get the the full cast and interact, much in the same way of these sort of Doctor Who stories that we do. And then you've got the Liberator Chronicles where. You, Much more like the Companion Chronicles from the Doctor Who range. Yeah, the clues in the title, I suppose. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's great. I, I really, really loved listening to those. I want to listen to them again, actually. They're, they're cracking good stuff. So if anyone hasn't listened to the Blake 7 stuff, uh, I'd, I highly recommend it. They're really, really great stories. Um, and personally speaking, I actually think they're better than the Doctor Who stuff. But anyway, that's, that's by the by. Um, yeah. So we I think can... I might have listened to that Blake 7 radio drama that wasn't Big Finish at some point. Oh, I remember that. That wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, I think Big Finish have released it themselves since. Yes, yes, yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. But um, apart from that, there's very few um, Blake 7 Reborn. Glimpses I think that's of what it was finished. called. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. But do we just ignore that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's, you know, that's good stuff. But uh, yeah, it's the main Blake Seven Ranger. I'm, I really, really love. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they're continuing um, actually because Paul, when Paul Darrow uh, sadly passed away, because um, he played Avon, um, they had to reevaluate their their approach because uh, I, th- I thought this was quite nice. Blake's uh, big finish made the made the decision and the announcement that they were never going, they're not going to recast the character yeah i think that's sensible yeah um and they've proven that there's there's other directions they can take yes um they've spun off quite a bit now because aren't they doing um and other rangers with like colin baker now yes because uh he played in uh he was in an episode called city at the edge of the world where he played a character called babe the butcher mm. um yeah so the, there's whole loads of stuff that they've now they're now going in and they all sound good and you know um you know that problem that you've had rob of oh geez i'd need to buy all these big finish audio stuff and yet 
not all the money in the world. I've now got no. to that point because of the Blake 7 stuff and be like, I want to buy all no. this Blake 7 stuff, but oh, for God's sake, why do I not have any money? Oh, because I'm buying stuff. No. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty big finish. <laughs> they love I wish they'd just go digital and just end this misery. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry, gone off a bit of a tangent, but because James Goss uh, wrote this story, um, I was really looking forward to it, and I thought, well, I'm expecting something which is um, quite atmospheric, um, and it is. There's a really good atmosphere with this story, and it's set in the late 1920s in Hollywood, and I think that setting really comes across incredibly well. Um, obviously, you've got the the sound design, but really it comes through the, the writing and the acting, um, mm. you know, and you... I don't know about you, Rob, but I thought it. Um, I felt like I was really part of. I just dog barking in the background. Yeah. Uh, adding to the atmosphere of this podcast. Um, but when I was listening to the silent scream, I, I found it very easy just to to get into get into the story because I just thought, yeah, I, I, I totally buy. This is late nineteen twenties Hollywood. I think it's great. Yeah, um, and it's. It's not a story that I guess is necessarily. Please excuse the dog, <laughs> not my dog. Um, not m- like a made-for-audio story, but it, it, uh, it's about, it's about. Um, no, it's not about audio. It's the opposite. You know what? Forget what I'm saying. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, because I was gonna. I was thinking. I was just going. This is quite a daring thing to do for for an audio adventure. How are they going to pull it off? This idea of Colin Baker. <laughs> I lost my voice. <laughs> Imagine if they got Brian Blessed in the. <laughs> right, we'll cast you, Brian. In the... Do not speak. <laughs> yeah, do not speak. You've lost your voice in this. Um, it's an audio adventure about people losing their voices, and it's just, <laughs> just how is that going to work? It works. Yeah. Um, I had a point there and I realised I was totally wrong. (laughs) But yeah, I thought it was very easy to get into the period of the story. And I loved the the whole... uh, I think it was a very good idea for a story. It utilises the era very well. That look of, you know, that transition of silent movies into the talkies. Um, Mm. And it's a very forgotten era. It is actually. It's it's a very interesting uh, period of cinema, actually, because you've got one style, which is silent movies, and I know yes, technically, you know, m- movies were always accompanied with sound. It was always music, but you know, they couldn't get um, you. They couldn't uh, record sound of the actors, so anything that was said was through intertitles. But it's a really interesting period of cinema. That transition of you know the silent uh, movies going, and then the going into the talkies um because i can quite understand if if people think that maybe you know silent uh movies went out on a on a low point and they just phased out they don't if you they really go go out on a high there's a lot of really really wonderful engaging experimental um uh and engaging stories that that emerge and are incredibly influential i mean one of them is metropolis which i think most people will be familiar with um incredibly influential i mean it's a it's a really good movie in of itself but um you know you watch it now and you go that clearly inspired you know star wars is in there blade runners blade runners in there and yeah uh, and you've got movies like um sunshine sorry sunrise a song of two humans which is a really wonderful love story 
it starts off as sort of uh starts off as one thing and you think it's going to go in one direction and but then it changes into something else and it's just this really delightful viewing experience anyway um i really love the period and um so what this story does the silent scream is is it takes that uh period uses it really well and this was true actors at the time um were trying to progress from silent acting to voice acting and a lot of them um couldn't hack it yeah it was yeah. just either they weren't able to um physically make that transition um from from one style into the other or it could just be the case of they didn't have the voice the vi- you know um the voice was too shrill and it didn't it didn't work so there was a lot of actors who ended up losing um their livelihood as a result of mm. all this um so what james goss does is he writes a story looking at that weaves it in and using this uh, fictional film as a means of these actresses you know um pardon me um getting these actresses into um uh, relaunching their career as it were but the process of this is that when they're filming this somehow their their voice is stolen um and they end up getting kidnapped by these sort of celluloid uh, creatures, shadowy and everything like that. And it's quite creepy, um, all that. I mean, did you... I mean, as we said, for a story which um, centres on this... You know, an audio story which centres on this thing of people losing their voice, which is quite daring. Uh, do you think it worked? Yeah, it was quite creepy. Um, and quite quite easy to visualize the creatures mm-hmm. i don't i don't think the album cover art did them any justice because there was a few silhouettes mm-hmm. of, of kind of people looks like some naff thing i draw in photoshop <laughs> but it was good yeah. yeah i mean i think the cover the cover design itself is fine it i think it, you know, it's, it's it's a nice little bit of art but in terms of advertising the story i don't i agree with you i don't think it really does it justice yeah um but yeah i thought i I did think it was very atmospheric and especially when you then have uh this character called dr julius uh introduced who's clearly very bad news from the moment he appears you know so but uh He's very obsequious, uh, quite slimy, you know, but uh, supposed to be caring for these actors who have lost their voice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Roman is very suspicious, and so we, the audience, are very suspicious. And Alec Newman plays that part incredibly well, and just going, well, what is it about this character? How does he fit in? And um, uh, he's a really good villain. And what has been it sort of takes you a bit surpri- by surprise the direction that it go goes in i think but it it all fits and you know um you get this idea of the maintaining of youth um through his character um you know piggybacking off the, the these actresses who who uh are very well aware of their image and they want to maintain you know remain youthful and he's tapping into that and trying to utilize that but in a really dark twisted way and it's sort of we go into this extreme form of actor related collectibles because it turns out um he's a character from the future 
who's gone back into time, uh, who's gone back into time during this period, and as as a form of business of basically kidnapping these actresses and effectively going to uh, dismember them in order to have these these former collectibles so you know oh you like this actress well here's some some of her teeth you can buy you know that sort yeah. of, that sort of thing you got oh my god the, but the, even care about them. yeah but there's something really there's something quite disturbingly plausible about this yeah <laughs> just... a bit like those horrible who fans out there who are hoarding all the missing episodes <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, for yeah, I never thought of that, but that actually feeds into it as well. So he he collects all the films as well with the idea of, um, uh, selling them off at a huge expense. In, in, you know, in in the future, it's a sort of like a film version of City of Death in that respect. Um, mm. And oh, I was going to say something, and my mind's gone completely blank. Oh well, while you're thinking, I'm just gonna pour a drink. Okay. Okay, I've just got. Um, I'm not a Johnny Walker, but I've got these ice cubes, but they're not. They're not ice. They're granite stones, granite cubes. Oh, okay. So you put them in the freezer for a bit, and then they don't melt, and you drink. They're very heavy. <laughs> if you hear me choke, choking, um, just I don't know. Call an ambulance or something. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, now, <laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought now. Uh, I'm just thinking drinking granite blocks. Um, <laughs> nice? Yeah. Good. Um, oh. I had a double Johnny Walker Red Bull the other night. Okay. I'm sure that's some kind of like, I don't know, crime. (laughs) (laughs) It probably is. But did you like it? I did. I was gonna have. I was gonna have one tonight, but I thought I shouldn't because I've already had enough coffees and a can of Monster. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I have issues. (laughs) I've never had Monsters. The energy drink, isn't it? Yeah. Monster. Monster's a tasty one. Right. Okay. I've never had it. Problem is, I'm going to have no teeth left in a few years, and then <laughs> how will I be able to do this? I just reminds me. Uh, there's an episode of Futurama where the uh, uh, Fry's just drinking a whole load of slurm. His teeth are just gone. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some sort of uh, competition going on um, where you find a golden cap in it, but yeah. he's drinking it, and there's that whole thing of just going, "Oh, crumbs, just another tooth," and he just keeps on losing his tooth drinking slurm. So is that going to be you? Keeps his keeps thinking he's winning teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be me. Ah, <laughs> oh, Futurama is so good. I want to watch yeah. it now. Yeah, I, I did rewatch some of it a little while ago because it's on Disney Plus. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, all of the Fox stuff is on there now. All mm-hmm. oh, right. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Disney owns everything, doesn't it? Including Fox. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> you got your um, thought yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I, um, no. It, it's frustrating. Um, um, mm. <laughs> oh, I got a new washing machine. <laughs> right. Okay. When did when did that come? Well, it came today. The we've been without one for a few weeks now, 
So it's been a bit of a mission every day going to my mother-in-law's to put washing on, mm-hmm. uh, which has been handy. But uh, you know what? I think don't tell anyone. I think it might have been me that broke the washer. Oh, okay. Because I remember putting too many towels in the last time it was used. Oh, you overloaded. And then so apparently the motor's broken. All oh, right, okay. Don't know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you broke so, it with too many towels, Rob. Yeah, and because it's a very old washer, um, and the motor was broken, the the well, one guy came out from the insurance company said okay it needs a new brush I think oh, what, what the hell does a washing machine need a brush for anyway so he ordered a new brush <laughs> so a week later the guy came he said oh it doesn't need a new brush it needs a new motor <laughs> <laughs> right okay to god sakes okay so um, I still don't know why a washing machine needs a brush anyway so he went away and then we had an email saying you know what just have a new washer <laughs> so uh there was a list to pick from, and we're looking through. And you can get a free one, or you can pay a little bit of excess for a better one. So we're looking at the free one, and it's like the absolute basic you can think of. Didn't even have the features that ours has now, or had. Mm. Anyway, my wife got in touch, and they were like, oh, sorry, we didn't have it set to um, what you've got now. But yeah, whatever. So then they updated it, so the, the, the options were a bit better. We ended up paying th- an excess of thirty pound for a, an even better one. So yeah. Uh, I, actually, I've got a random question about your washing machine. Okay. You know when it's finished its cycle. Yeah. Does it beep? Yes. Um. Th- I think this one might play a little tune or something. Oh god, that sounds know. even worse. It has an app. It ha- it has an app. A washing yeah. machine. Yeah. So I can um. Well, get this. So I fill the washing machine with my clothes. Uh-huh. Put the washing powder in the drawer. Yeah. And with your sofa. And then to save myself from pressing the program on the screen, I have to turn the dial to phone, press the Bluetooth button, then get my phone out, pick the washing cycle and press go. Easy as that. That sounds like a faff. That saves you time, does it? And it's only Bluetooth. It's not like you can do it when you're out. <laughs> You have to be standing next to the watch. That sounds utterly, utterly pointless. It's insane. Right, okay. Um, no, because I was just... I've One of my bugbears of uh, being in the modern world is just the amount of uh, things that beep at you. So, you know, mm. when you're in a car and... Uh, you know, it beeps at you to put the uh, put your seatbelt on. Yeah, I have that problem. If you get a case of beer that's too heavy on the passenger seat, it just beeps like crazy. Oh, right, that's enough. But just every, it's like we're completely incapable of thinking for ourselves anymore. So you've got appliances which constantly have to beep at you, and the fact that I've got a washing machine which, when it finishes its cycle, beeps four times. So like <laughs> beep, 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 right. And then if you don't empty, if you don't like switch the the washing machine off or empty it, then it does that again another four no, times. Oh, come on! So it's four sets of beeps four times, and it's like you're a washing machine. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Piss off! You so tell yeah, us. <laughs> it's just so. At some point when I when I do get a washing machine, just like I'm going to make sure I get one that doesn't beep. But then it's just that like, the problem is I think they all beep. Yeah. And just oh. uh, yeah, like all the fancy Samsungs now play music and all sorts. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Which evil person came up with this? 
funny enough, I was watching, um, you know, the movie Time Bandits? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and David Warner's character, who plays the, uh, uh, what's the character's name? There's something of ultimate evil. <laughs> oh, yes. And he, he's talking about, um, you know, how, how God's got everything wrong. And if, if he was in charge of everything, he'd be, he'd be straight in there with creating lasers. And he just wants everyone to, like, understand uh, digital watches. And when they've understood digital watches, then they'll understand video recorders. <laughs> just all the stuff. And I feel like, yeah, that movie was bang on about where evil stuff comes from. It, it's the type of people who go, you know what needs mm. to happen? Mm. We need washing machines to constantly yeah. beep at people so they know when their washing has ended. And like, I yeah. know when it's ended because oh. it's stopped spinning. Anyway, these people are evil and twisted. And, that, and that's why yeah. the world is an awful place. Yeah. But that app, man, it took us a few hours to get it connected. Mm. <laughs> At one point, you know, I, I was, I didn't, I didn't need the app, but I was frustrated I couldn't connect it. Right. Because it's it's a function. <laughs> so, at first, I, I I thought I'd found a third party app that would work and change the music on it. Mm-hmm. So I got this washing machine, washing machine DJ app. Turns out. It's not an app to connect to your washing machine. It's an app that turns your phone screen into a washing machine, but it plays like DJ music. So if I press on, and there's a washing machine on my phone there mm-hmm. for the clothes. So I press on, filling up. If I put it on a wash cycle, you, re- you ready for this? <laughs> Put it on a rinse cycle. Oh, back on the spin. Oh. Well, you get the gist. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) I have no words, Rob. I don't know how to respond to that other than... I wish I was in the 1920s. I was born (laughs) too late. (laughs) I was a bit confused. I was like, how does this connect to the washing machine? It doesn't. (laughs) But it does provide you with yeah. thematic the dance The phone trends. vibrates as the drum spins, though. So that's pretty cool. Right, okay. <sighs> anyway, the sound We were talking about um, the lifespan of laptops before we started recording. Yes. And we... I said, well, let's hold off because there's something I want to mention. And washing machines, I guess, are only built to last so many years. Mm. Um, when I was a kid... I, I think we had one in our house, but uh, mainly at my grandma's, she had like a spin dryer or a, a spin washer. Mm. You know, you think you, you, everyone had them. You lift the lid at the top. Yes, yeah, I know which one you was, yeah. Fill it in and then empty the hose. Like from the um, 70s or sl- something. Slide it out from under the, under the bench. And, yeah. Um, apparently they they lasted decades. Mm. <laughs> but now washing machines are just built to last um, only a few years. Yeah. Keeps the economy going. <laughs> Like Apple devices. Oh, they're the worst. Well, that well that came out, didn't it? That they actually they specially designed the software for it to mm-hmm. deliberately slow down after I don't know how was it two years or something ridiculous. Mm, yeah. So it would force you to buy the latest iPhone. And that's what I do. And you do notice the difference once you do for an upgrade. 
you're desperate for it. See, I've never bought Apple, and I refuse to. And I think I've been wise in that decision. Uh, I think so. I've got yeah, a, I'm uh, caught in a trap. So the uh, the the brand of uh, smartphone that I have, uh, I, I bought it years ago, and don't need to update it. Mm. It I, it's I great. think one of the benefits for us is we use them as a family, so we have the same Apple account. Mm. Um, we can pass our phones down to the kids and all the devices are connected, all purchases are. We have a Apple Cloud account, which uh, so we have a cloud storage. I think it may be a few terabyte or something, but all our photos over the years are all up there. Everything off my laptop is also on there, so I can access my laptop's desktop files when my computer's turned off from my phone. Right, because every everything's in the cloud, um. So it's it's quite handy, and there's a feature called AirDrop, um, which is just wirelessly sending files from one Apple device to another, which I use every day, um. So it's quite handy to use as a family unit. All oh, right, okay. Incidentally, we're sponsored by Apple. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough of the advertising. Yeah. Um. Do you know what you were trying to say yet? Yes, I have remembered, I've remembered quite a while back now. So, you know how uh, I was talking about uh, Dr. Julius and how he was dismembering um, the the actors? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that he's done is steal their voices, hence the reason why they can no longer speak. And it's this thing of allowing the actors, you know, he, he's, he, he basically owns their voice. So the idea is that uh, in the future if anyone relate uh, interested in these past actors they can they can listen not only listen to the voice but they sort of have a life of their sorry. own sorry sorry i just had a big mouthful that whiskey it was really too much <laughs> right sorry no no it's fine so yeah I so th- that's what I was t- I lost my voice now <laughs> you sound like cuz uh during the pro- during the during the story <clears throat> that the doctor almost loses his voice you sound like tom baker in the story yeah you're you're right. I think that went down the wrong way as well. <laughs> what? <sighs> you're right. Yeah, fine. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. So yeah, sorry. It was um, for some reason. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I forgot uh, the the major plot point of the story, which is the fact that you've he, lost what you were saying. Yeah, and he was uh, he was stealing their voices. Yeah. Oh yes. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 um, so, um, I think the story was a good one. I really like the atmosphere. I thought it was uh, it was quite chilling. Um, obviously, everything gets resolved at the end, uh, but I'm not going to say how. Um, no, we're not going to say how because people will probably not have listened to it yet. Mm-hmm. But I think there's de- okay. there's definitely enough. There was a, there was there was a, there was a definite use of something. Yes. Well, everything everything t- <laughs> does tie up wonderfully. You know the the. Um, the whole thing to do with the era, films, the actors themselves, everything gets utilised in, in, in terms of how the story wraps up. And, and as a yeah. result of that, I thought it was extremely effective. <clears throat> um, so, thoughts, Rob, on the story? Um, it, it was great. I listened to it last week, so it's all just kind of flooding back to me as we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts? 
I liked the characters, the the all the guest characters. Yes, I th- yeah, yeah, I agree with that definitely. I loved the 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 Doctor's wit and how he spoke. I think it was written quite well. Mm. And as always, Tom Baker takes it to a new caliber, and he he, he takes the script and t- and does his thing, mm-hmm. um, which is always like a joy to listen to. Yeah. Um, and it was a an interesting concept exploring a, like a bygone era mm-hmm. of cinema yeah yeah I think so it was no sorry go on it was good <laughs> yeah I know I totally agree I think you've summed that up really really uh, well I totally agree with that I think it was a very good story uh, I loved the the, uh, the the plot how it all unfolded and as you said Rob all the uh, all the guest uh, guest uh, characters and actors absolutely superb it's the story's quite chilling but there's some nice, wonderful moments of levity just to balance it out. Um, and as you said, the, the, you know, I think every character, but yeah, the, uh, I'll give moments of, of, of wit and humour, but obviously the, the focus is on the Doctor and being Tom Baker. That's what he relishes in. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a great story. And one thing I, I would say is that even though, as I said, you know, we're watching this, watching it, uh, listening to it in relation to season 18, um, you can listen to the story separately. You don't. You don't have to watch it in 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 context of the televised adventures, or in context of any other audio adventures. It's it's completely separate, and you can enjoy it as such. And I, yeah, I would, so I just want to point that out. Um, you don't have to have listened to, for example, uh, the Beast of Kravenos or the or the Eternal Battle, the the two big audio adventures that we reviewed prior to this. You can just you know listen to the scre- uh, the silent scream on its own, uh, and enjoy it. And I definitely recommend that. Yeah. Want to re-listen someday? Oh yeah, definitely. I'll I'd happily return to this again. Yeah. So that's so. A... Should we have a little a little break there where we'll um, quickly mention our socials, get the boring stuff out of the way. Oh yep. Okay, so we're on Facebook.com/slash/CloisterBell. Uh, we don't do much on Facebook apart from post our content. Liam, do you think we should put a Facebook exclusive episode up one day? Nah. 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 Okay, forget about that. Um, <laughs> Instagram, cloister underscore bell. You can follow us on there. We're on Twitter, which is, I guess this is a very subjective point of view, but is that the main place? <laughs> Where's that, sorry? Twitter. Is that the, the main social platform that we use? Yes. Um, yeah. But we're most active. But you can contact contact us anyway we're on twitter at podcast bell we'll have a great website close to bellpodcast.com uh this week we've had uh a crossword like our first crossword mm-hmm. what do you think of that i thought it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it yeah i think there's supposed to be more games out there yeah yeah okay um we are on patreon patreon where you, if you if you care to support the podcast you can support for one month and cancel if you like Give it a trial run. Um, you don't get charged unless you reach the end of the first month. So if you want to just cancel after a few weeks, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's patreon.com forward slash cloisterbell. We have a few bonus episodes on there. I'll give a quick shout out to our patrons, Harry, um, who we also support on, on Patreon. He's on there. He's doing his reading club at the minute. Uh, and also Sonia, um, 
I said I'd say hello to Sonia on this episode. She did tag us on Facebook, um, not Facebook, Twitter earlier today. Mm-hmm. She said, if you like Doctor Who and podcasts, especially pods that seem like friends, chatting and having fun and critical convos, check out these great podcasts that have truly made me laugh and brightened my days. And she tagged us and all the other after show pods. So neither the time nor space pod, who can convince you all of time and space and my adventure in space and time. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we've definitely got a fan with Sonia. Uh, we do, really do appreciate it. Um, so uh, th- thank you very much for yeah. that. Lovely. Um, Sonia has not watched any of Tom Baker's yet. Um, she's obviously a fan of New Doctor Who and she's went back um, to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's probably watched... You know, she was Last I heard she was working her way through Marco Polo. Uh, maybe a, like a reconstruction of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she's curious about uh, the the Baker era, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, which is understandable because I think you know when when people think about classic Doctor Who, you know, well, Tom Baker played the Doctor the longest, and obviously very iconic. And I think for a lot of people, still remain, if not their favorite Doctor, uh, definitely you know very highly ranked and. You know uh, his performance is still very much appreciated, and th- there's some cracking good stories in that era. In that era, certainly. Yeah. Um, but um, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say because uh, you uh, we were going to have a, a debate on chocolate flavors. Is that right? Yeah. Is is the time now? Uh, or later? Yes, I think the time's now. It's the time's now. So. Everyone knows, well, at least I thought everyone knew that, you know, chocolate orange is, like, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently not. <laughs> you know, um, like I said before, views are subjective. People have their own point of view. My view is not the universal point of view. So uh, <clears throat> I did put a poll out on Twitter, you know, let people make their own minds up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a dictator. Um, chocolate orange or mint? Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Which which is what's your poison? Which is better? <laughs> uh, good question. It is quite tricky because I do like them both. Um, but if I had to choose between them, I think I would go for mint. Ah, right. With mint chocolate, I'd have it out of desperation. Wow, <laughs> right. it's not a glowing recommendation. Okay, it's like I'm not a fan of crunchies. Mm. But you know, if it's the last thing that's left out of a selection box, mm-hmm. I might eat it the next week. <laughs> but <laughs> with chocolate, you know, I don't, I don't, I, mint arrow is just pure. I don't know. It's it's wrong. See, I disagree. I think the I mean, I haven't had an arrow in years. I can't, I can't remember the last time I had an arrow. So maybe I should buy, buy a selection and yeah. try them. Um, but I always found the mint one really... I just really like it. I think that that blend of something quite refreshing with the chocolate, I just think it's a... it's, it's For me, it's a perfect combination. Orange and chocolate's oh. a perfect combination as well, but of the two, I do think I prefer the mint. Nah, I, I, that, that's good, but uh, I feel like 
it, it seems like I've just brushed my teeth and then I'm having chocolate. <laughs> That's fair enough. Like, yeah, just gone. Yes. It tastes like you've had a whole load of aqua fresh or Colgate yeah. with chocolate. Right, okay. Yeah. And I know you should never do that, you know, brush your teeth and then it's a bit naughty if you have chocolate before bed yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I do like, which I don't have that often, um, I'd say mint chocolate chip ice cream. You see, the thing is with that is for me, um, the choc- I don't I don't like the chocolate chips with the ice cream. I, I feel like they get in the way of the pleasure of the flavor and the texture. Yeah, mint and ice cream when I it's like. frozen is quite hard and tasteless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mint ice cream that'd be good. Yeah, just it doesn't need the, the chocolate chips for me. But then, like, I love chocolate. I love ice cream. Uh, you know, because I'm a, a normal. <laughs> normal human being who doesn't but um chocolate ice cream on the other hand i do not like oh right i love it the the chocolate the more chocolate the better like if it's a double chocolate fudge ice cream or something Mm. i'm sold no for uh, for some reason chocolate ice cream just no i don't don't Uh. particularly like it what about um, cookie dough ice cream? That soft bits of cookie dough. Right, I'm sorry. Right, I do not get the appeal of cookie dough either. Like to me, I know you're talking about the ice cream, but you know how you you can go to places and actually order order cookie dough as a dessert. It's just like yeah, no, weird. it's just a half. Uh, uh, no cake mix. On the other hand, I could get that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but um, cookie. No, just either either give me a proper cookie, or don't bother. What about a nice? Partly baked soft cookie. Meat in the middle. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I might be see, I like cookies. Like no, that that goes back into the half assed approach of just going, well, why haven't you why haven't you finished cooking this? Yeah. Cause the thing is you, you want to cook i mean with cookies in general, you don't want a cookie which is crunchy. No, that, 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 you definitely don't want that seems burnt. No, um, so you want you do want one which is soft. It's but it's it's getting to that 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 perfect um, just that that getting to that perfect uh, sweet point of just ha- you know just that perfect thing where it's just going yeah it's properly cooked but it's just soft enough. But if yeah. it's still doughy, nah, you haven't done it properly. It's just awful, awful. Oh yeah. But I like Millie's cookies. Yes, Millie. Yes, Millie's cookies. Have, have you had the cake slices or the cupcake cookies that they do? No, I haven't actually. Yes, yeah, so you can get a. The cupcake cookie is like a cookie formed to the shape of a cupcake right. base. Okay. Filled with frosting. Hmm. Okay. And you can get like a cake slice, which is like a wedge. <laughs> and of course, they do those giant cookies, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. I remember once it was um, uh, a mate of mine had had got a new job. This was a, this was years ago, and had arranged to. There was a group of us arranged to meet him, and I thought, oh well, I'll just get him a um, I'll just get him a big cookie with congratulations written on it. So I went to one of these cookies to order that, and they went, yeah, yeah, we can do that within twenty minutes. So it wasn't that long of a wait, and uh, they went, right, what colours do you want? And I think I just, uh, I think. I forgot. I forgot. I think I said, "Oh, just uh, have uh, congratulations in his name," and I went, "Just do it in green." It's like, All "Right, okay." So I came back, and for some reason, they did it in brown, and that's not the color that I picked. 
But hey ho, it is what it is. Okay. It looked all right, but it's a bit odd. But um, but going back to the uh, the com the the flavored combination. Um, <clears throat> for me, the best combination to go with chocolate. It's it's really nice dark chocolate with chili. Uh, see, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, because I think I probably talked about it before, but uh, yeah. I, it's, I just think it's it's perfect. Just if Lindt uh, actually do this, that you can get a chocolate. It's a dark uh, chocolate um, chocolate bar, obviously with with chili in it. Get it? It's fantastic. Right. You also oh, do one right. one with sea salt, which is really nice, actually, as well. Yeah. But I think anything that Linda do is is probably is probably spot on. Yeah. I don't quite often get dark chocolate, but um, a lot of people seem to have a bit of a dislike to it, don't they? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, <clears throat> if you have dark chocolate and it tastes bitter, it obviously dark chocolate is supposed to have a strong flavour, but it shouldn't taste bitter. If it tastes bitter, then they, they haven't actually done the cacao properly and they've probably burnt it. It shouldn't taste bitter. So I, I kind of get that. And yeah, I can get, generally speaking, um, you, you may find that the, the flavour a bit too bit too strong and you you want your chocolate a bit more sweeter. Fair enough. But if you've ever tried tried dark chocolate and it tastes burnt and you don't like it, I can get that, but you haven't had... Uh, this sounds really snobby. You haven't had proper dark chocolate. Um, so give it a go with, like, Lindt or something like that. Yeah. Do it, people. Yeah, do it. And if you don't like it after that, then fair enough, you don't like dark chocolate. But anyway, that's 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 my suggestion. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll take it... Um, yeah, so anyway, so I prefer the mint uh, of the, the original two options, and you prefer orange. Yeah. Um, we did a poll... If I didn't mention it, of the twenty-five of you that voted, it's forty percent orange, sixty mint. Not the result I was hoping for. <laughs> no, oh. that is not mint. <laughs> hey, hey. <Hang> on. <clears throat> oh well. <laughs> um, I was also experimenting with a few things on the website because, um. Memory games, uh, crosswords, word searches, possibly jigsaws, but um, I've also got something. It's already established on our website, but I haven't made it public because it might take a long time to do. But artificial reality, augmented reality, rather. So um, if we ever want to incorporate augmented reality into a podcast or a game or whatever that's an option mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> ba- basically people can scan unique codes um there's this so they'll go on our website and we'll we'll have a special there's a special camera app in our in our in our website it's called the Cloisterbell AR scanner and if they scan special codes It'll reveal something or take them to us, uh, unlock a special video or whatever, or a special podcast. It's all a bit experimental, but the possibilities are there, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. I never got into Pokemon Go, so I, don't, I think augmented reality is not quite my thing, but okay. Yeah. 
Just sound People could go around just chasing us around the streets. <laughs> <laughs> you do that in real life. Pop up at Newcastle, find us and start chasing us. Yeah. Freak us out. <clears throat> just telling me to stop. <laughs> stop, Rob. You need to get a grip. Okay. Um, shall we move on to Death Rest? Yeah, let's do it. So Death Rest is the second uh, of the big video... Big video... Big, what's it called? Big Finish. That's it. Big Finish yes. Audio Adventures. Right, so. In the control room of a World War II submarine, something strange has started to happen. As the ship runs out of control, its crew... I said control really weirdly. I'm starting again. In the control room of, of a World War II submarine, something strange has started to happen. As the ship runs out of control, its crew begin to fall unconscious. Finding the submarine is in the last place they had expected, the Doctor and Romana are confronted by a mystery. Once fully populated, there are now only three men on board, and there's now also a chimpanzee. What has happened to the rest of the crew? What are the strange noises they can hear outside of the hull? And most importantly, who or what is Deathras? So, uh, the cast and crew, Tom Baker, of course, plays the Doctor. Lala Ward plays Romana. There's no canine in this story, uh, which I'm actually quite pleased about, actually, on this occasion. <laughs> John Banks uh, uh, plays Franklin. Josh Bolt plays Philip. Alistair Petrie plays John. Sheila Ruskin plays Flag. I've forgotten how you pronounce that. I'll say Flag. Uh, Jane Slavin plays uh, Exankari and the teacher. And Brian Vernal plays Robert. Uh, the story was directed by Nicholas Briggs. It was written by Adrian Ponton. And it was produced by David Richardson. Um... What, what I will say is with the stories that we've listened to so far, so that is The Beast of Kravenos, The Eternal Battle and The Silent Scream, I would say they haven't really felt like a part of season 18, um, but sort of like a precursor. Um, and I th- the impression that I get, it, it was this idea, the approach seems to be to try and go from uh season 17 which was completely different in style and sort of build up um to the televised approach of season 18 so these stories obviously take place before the leisure hive so i think what mm. big finish have done is is actually do a good job going from the grain williams douglas adams era to the john nathan turner christopher hamilton bidmead era and i think with this story in particular, Death Rast, this is certainly the case as the, uh, with the story. It feels like a Douglas Adams idea. Yes. Certainly with the character of Franklin. Um, so what this, uh, what this story does is it deals with uh, evolution. Um, and we have this uh, character called Franklin, who's a chimpanzee. And he evolves and is, by the end of the story is able to speak. And that feels like a very Douglas Adams idea to me. But we also have the hard-edged science and creepiness of the televised season 18. Would you agree with that, Rob? Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And we originally begin the story on a World War II submarine. Um, and again, so you, you think that the story is going to start off in a particular way. And again, it goes completely left field. And I think uh, Death Rass is a story which constantly takes you by surprise, um, which is great. But 
but in a really wonderful, engaging way. So I've only listened to the story once, but this is a story that I will more than happily come back to. Um, mm. So we're in a World War Two submarine, and uh, it actually turns out that it's floating in space. Um, Doctor Who later did did a sort of similar idea in a Peter Davison story called Enlightenment, which was uh, 18th century type uh, ships floating in space. So I think, you know, people familiar with Doctor Who would, would make that connection. But Deathras makes the idea its own, I think. And um, Deathras actually turns out to be a person. And who that person is... Um, is a very prominent scientist and his uh, field of expertise is evolution. And what he's done is uh, experiment with this scientifically. And he, it's a, it, this is a sort of like, a, in some respects, a typical story, but I think it's done really wonderfully well, where you have a very good scientist who, through the best of motives, has become misguided. And as a result yeah. of that, his 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 ideas and research have been misused. So he's um, looking at evolution, and part of his experiments are um, furthering that to uh, create hyper evolved beings. Mm. Uh, and what ends and what is what has ended up happening is with that is that th- those ideas and those experiments have been partially hijacked and the end results attempting to hijack by for military purposes. Do you think that's a good summing up? Yeah. Pretty much. You had the, yeah. you had the best intentions. Um well. so what was so what was your experience when you were when you were listening to this story? Um it starts off a bit peculiar. Um and as it progresses, we came to figure out uh, what's going on. It's kind of how it played out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and as part of the story, you know, we have we're introduced to these characters, and they go through this this awful transformation. So, uh, and this is mainly in the first episode. And you, you, you again, this is wonderfully performed, and you have great sound design uh, here. And so, even what about the chimpanzee? Convincing, or does it not necessarily need to be? I thought it was very convincing. I mean, I think that was um, that's John Banks uh, playing mm. that character, and I think he. I mean, I think everyone plays their parts incredibly well in this. But if I if I had to point to who I think really really shines as a performer, I think it's John Banks playing that character because. Um, you know he's playing a chimpanzee doing all the, the sort of noises but not i mean as far as i was concerned it didn't come across as silly no um uh, it didn't distract from the atmospheric story and it, it's one of those ideas you know it's sort of like oh it worked on paper but in execution it just distracted and was unfortunately very silly but actually that's not the case it uh, i think john banks does a superb performance and his the way that he vocally performs as well i think is really interesting and works 
works superbly because um you know chimp you get this idea that the chimpanzee is is talking for the first time because obviously it hasn't used its vocal cords in these in in this way before but it's 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 evolved learning how to speak i just think it's a great performance i mean i, I mean did you like the character or did you think it was unnecessary um no it didn't seem mm-hmm. didn't seem like a bad choice just an interesting one mm-hmm. more interesting where it all goes in the final scene <laughs> yeah it does and it, it it allows the story to, to it does uh, end the story on a nice nice light-hearted note and um fr- uh, you know and, and franklin's gonna go off on his own journeys there's a part of me that actually wanted him to stay as a companion um yeah because i really did like the character uh very very much and certainly towards the end he's he's just great and you love being in the presence of of his character and i just um i just love the character that john banks you know performed i want i want more of that character that's i think that's how good he is as um in terms of how he's written and also how he's performed spin-off potential Maybe. Very much so. I mean, I would be perfectly happy to listen to the Franklin Adventures or the Franklin Chronicles by Big Finish. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'd be buying yeah. them and listening to them. Aye. Right. So, a bit like the Eternal Battle that we talked about the other week, uh, this has um, maybe like a deep f- philosophical kind of. Um, potential to it because it deals with evolution mm-hmm. and um, manipulating evolution as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so in this story it deals with is it hyper evolution? Yes, that's it. Yes. So um, these are forced to evolve to adapt to the surroundings um, not naturally over many generations but uh instantly um and i guess there's a we could debate should this happen or not um good idea bad idea liam <laughs> i was gonna say a good idea but i thought you might but that'd be answering it in terms of uh i thought in terms of the <laughs> the story idea and i went oh no i've completely misunderstood what you're asking no it's a bad idea yeah best just left alone mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but um uh and it also goes into you know the um war which um which we looked at it um which is a big theme in in the eternal battle uh as well um but but war in both cases um um came about because of um a scientific experiment i guess yeah yeah that's true actually um and whereas i think the eternal battle was taking much more of a pacifist to i mean i'm being simplistic but i think it was taking more of a pacifist um argument with regards to war i think deathras is a bit more um a bit more grey. It doesn't necessarily say that war is bad, um, but there has to be a point where 
you've got to have you know you've got to keep a sense of proportion and yeah. it's very it's very easy to go into a very contradictory uh, position with it so the, the character uh, flay played by played by sheila ruskin yeah, she just couldn't see the irony of what she was doing. Yeah, in fact, because one of the good things about this story is I think Romana has a really good uh, role in this story. Uh, she feels a, uh, a lot more involved than perhaps in the previous stories. And she makes that point of just... Because uh, she's threatening to, to kill Romana for peace. And Romana points out that, contra- you know, that contradiction. Just go... Um, but Flake, although she she responds quite well, she doesn't seem to be able to to spot the contradiction. Mm. It's like, well, where do, you know, where do you end? Yeah, but then again, it's an interesting point of view. If you've lost, you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand? What what's morally right or wrong? Yeah, because she she talks mm. about how uh, her her uh, planet was uh, invaded. Yeah. Um, so they had to fight back. Mm. Um, but now... F- f- How far do you take the fight? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that that battle was won. And then she goes, and now all what we're doing is taking a preemptive approach. So rather than wait to be attacked, we attack first. Yeah. Just a cycle. Mm-hmm. <coughs> 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 Sorry, Rob. It's all right. Yeah, I talk about evolution with my youngest daughter a lot. Mm. Um, she's six, um, so she's she's educated um, about God a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So she, at her age, she can't she she can't unify two two possibilities, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, she uh, she. Yeah, she she's finding kind of um, yeah she she's struggling to kind of um, piece something in her head. She needs some absolute <laughs> you know answer. But like, I can't give you an answer. Yeah. Um, and she's she, she was even um, we're driving to school the other day, and she was, she was like, yeah, what came before? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, I'm like, well, technically, it was the egg. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun little conversations. Yeah. Um I had a long conversation with my wife a while ago because uh we're talking we've got a very different point of views on um God and spirituality. Okay. So kind of debating that and then also have a deep conversation about the origin of life. <laughs> oh, okay. Um just different point of views. Mm-hmm. And then I'm 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 a uh, Given all my um, trying to like say like how um, creation um, is a possibility view God or, or and also the pros and cons that it isn't and how we, we don't know but then but then she's throwing a spanner in the works just educating me on RNA DNA and that, and um, yeah I don't know <laughs> oh okay I like how, how can it's about life spontaneously coming into existence and then she kind of educates me on how it can. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Science is very confusing. Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The origin of life. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the Jagaroth, anyway, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, all <laughs> happened was Scaroth. We know this. Everything we've ever 
thought or believed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Douglas, you know, well, Douglas Adams was scientifically literate and he wrote City of Death. He knew what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Scientific fact. Yeah. The ultimate answer. So, 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 yeah. So, I think Death Rust is a is a is a great story, and it, you know, it, so it looks at evolution, but it, it exp- you know, but it, it's utilizing it uh, to tell a um, just a cracking good story. But within that, you know, you've got body horror, misguided science, war, um, but just some nice um, quirky moments. I think the humor works in the story quite well. Um, there's a there's a nice little um, suggestion that uh, this story actually explains how uh, humanity came into existence, but then, yeah. but then it could, but then it doesn't categorically say that they that the planet that they're on is Earth. It could have actually been Gallifrey, and maybe this is the start of the Time Lords, or uh, maybe this is the um, the planet where we get the Timeless Child from. Yeah, it's up to you. Um, but... I was left wondering that. Is that was that was that the intention? Just leave it ambiguous. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I think it's obvious to, to suggest that uh, it, you know the, the uh, what well, could have been Earth. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what you know. It's clearly sort of a wink. But the thing is, you know, you could. Um, it's ambiguous enough for you to go well. Actually, the the possibility actually could be maybe it's Gallifrey or maybe it's another planet or you know and. I forgot when this was originally released, 2017 or something like that. But um, so this was before the time as child. But you know, you could you could weave that in and go, maybe it's that. Yeah. It's up to you. <laughs> but uh, it it has a lot of, it it has a lot of fun with that idea and plays with it very well. Yeah. Do you think um, the characterization fits well pre season eighteen? of the doctor of uh, yeah in the in the relationship with Romana. Uh, yes and no uh, i can see it's like what i said before i think with the previous stories that we've looked at the doctor is a bit too more jokey whereas in season 18 i think you know tom baker's doctor the fourth doctor in, in that season was a lot more somber um mm. whereas with the previous story he's been very jokey and it's it's like that are you you're trying to do that thing of trying to bridge the gap between season 17 and season 18 in which case that would work um and romana seems to be a lot you know a lot, a lot more grumpy in these uh, audio adventures so uh would you say she seems to be a bit more yeah, yeah uh, she does come across very commanding and mm. yeah grumpy yeah, yeah. so it's they're trying to do that thing of bridging the gap, but they're, they're very much their own thing as well. Uh, so it's a, it's a difficult balance to get right. But I think, I think of the stories that we've listened to so far, Deathras is the one which probably comes closest to their actual characters in season eighteen. And there's some wonderful um, interplay between uh, the Doctor and Mana at the beginning. You know when when they're talking about you know back- on the submarine. No, no, uh, when they're in the TARDIS. Right. Where they're talking about, you know, bypassing the randomizer and maybe it's, you know, who chooses to where they want to go and all that. And then... Taking turns. Yeah, yeah. taking turns. And then that um, 
plays out again at the, the end of the episode and the and the doctor talks about uh, actually it's his, his it's his choice now and now he wants to go to brighton uh and then so clearly death Rass is supposed to be the story before the leisure hive oh close enough yeah yeah so um <clears throat> i was trying to think is there anything else that fits in the gap um of course we have shorter Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm trying to think of a reference in the Paul McGann version of Sharda. Mm-hmm. Um, he he sees in the older Romana, and they think back to when they were punting, which would be this. Um, but they also reference the time scoop, so that version of events from the Five Doctors. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't remember. Did this state that that was pretty much before the Leisure Hive as well? Um, I don't think it's mentioned, but I think, I think yeah, probably. Hmm. Is that right? It was Sharda before this? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharda should yeah. uh, should have been the final story for season seventeen. Right. Oh, and this this story bridges the gap. Let's say this is after that. Then. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um. So, a couple of questions. Uh, so, first is in relation to this story, Rob. Um, final thoughts and comments. Well, score. Um, interesting idea. Perhaps not. Uh, we're taught to compare. Mm. Um, I was going to say not as interesting characters as the previous story, um, which is true to an extent, Mm -hmm. but this episode is not a failure in that respect as well. Um, It plays with an interesting idea, Mm -hmm. um, and it does well in a two-part story, so it's good. Yeah. All right, good, good. Yeah, I would uh, mostly agree with that. I think, yeah, probably uh, The Silent Scream does have stronger characters, although... As you said, Death Rass isn't a failure in that. It's just, you know, making that comparison. But I really like the story. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I would say this was really good. Um, so we've listened... So as I said, so that's a total of listening to four. So that's The Beast of Kravinos, The Eternal Battle, The Silent Scream, and Death Rass. How would you rank them? Of the, of the four? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would say... What was the very first one? Oh, the uh, the Beast of Kravenos. Mm-hmm. And hmm. Okay, I'd probably say the is it is it the Beast of Kravenos that we hated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'd probably say the Eternal Battle, the the Silent Scream, Death Rass, then. The other one? <laughs> yeah, Beast of Kravinos. Right, okay. Yeah. So I think I would go... It's interesting. So I think our lists are completely different. Although we've ranked the Beast of Kravinos the same. So I think I would go... It's a bit tricky, actually. Um... Right, I think I would go Deathras as my favourite. Then... The Silent Scream, then the Eternal Battle, 
um, than the Beast of Kravenos. I think mm. that's how I would rank them. But what I want to make clear is that the Beast of Kravenos, I, I generally, I think we both agreed that it was a crap story and we wouldn't recommend it. We, we didn't like that one. The mm. other three are definitely, you know, the, the, are very good. They're all good ones. Yeah, yeah, they're all good ones. But yeah, I think I would go Deathras, Silent Scream, Eternal Battle, Beast of Kravenos. Yes. Yeah. Very different stories, mm-hmm. so it's hard, hard to compare, but yeah. That's good. Excellent. So that's um, so that's the, the two stories. Uh, we're done for that. So Rob, uh, what's the what we're doing for the next podcast? I believe it's The Legend of the Sea Devils. Five? <laughs> when was that broadcast? I can't remember. I still haven't watched it, you know. We're going to be the last person to review this. <laughs> yeah, probably. Everyone's like, it's like a race to get the first review out. And we were like, and we're the opposite. Yeah, we're just like, eh, whenever, whenever. Yeah. Yes, so um, that's the, yeah. You're going to have to give it a watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll watch it before the podcast, that's all right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've got a bonus episode lined up. Oh, we haven't discussed that. Yeah, we, we, we will at some point, we, we do... need to discuss that, yeah. Yeah, she would potentially do one next week as well, if the legend chat is very brief. <laughs> yeah, it had sea devils yeah. in it. It was all right. There you go. Review done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll put it to the patrons on what we should talk about. Or have you got something in mind? Uh, I've got nothing in mind. No, I think okay. uh, give yeah, it to the patrons. Uh, I think that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what they have to think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No problem. Can do. Um, if you like this episode, or if you didn't, please leave us a review. If you didn't, please don't leave. <laughs> I was going to say, if you didn't, <laughs> don't bother. Just don't bother. Sort off. Yeah, sort off. <laughs> or lie and give us a good review. Yes. Um, you, we are on a site called Podchaser, where you can you can like and rate um, podcasts and individual episodes. You can rate us, I believe, on maybe Spotify and Amazon now. Mm. Uh, you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, which is great because it kind of boosts us up the rankings and gets us uh, more exposure, you know, um, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do remember to visit com and have a little route around. And play the games. Play the games, yeah. More on the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe I'll do another crossword or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll do a game to tie in with next week's episode. Um, anything you want, um, Liam? Do you want a quiz or maybe a second crossword? It's really hard or something. Quiz. I like quizzes. A quiz. Okay. okay. We'll do a quiz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One where the listeners can play along too. Good. <laughs> cool. So back over to you, Liam. Yeah, so thanks very much for listening. So, uh, as Rob said, our next podcast will be uh, Legend of the Sea Devils. After that, um, we will be looking at the actual first televised season 18 story, which is The Leisure Hive. Um, But yeah, that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Thanks. (laughs) 